Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior, and happy new year. Can you believe it? 2020 is finally over. Well, not yet, of course. We've got one more episode right here for you. Thanks so much for lending me your ears and the only non-renewable resource that you possess. That's your time in this, the last Suncast episode of 2020. I'm so grateful that you've stopped by and I'm eager to get this conversation started. In early December, I had a chance to sit down with CPS Energy executives to discuss their latest RFP, and I was amazed at the depth of answers that they provided, not just to how the RFP is shaped, but the underlying methodology and even philosophy supporting the landmark power call for the Lone Star State. As many of you are well aware, having listened to the interview with Paula Gold-Williams, the CEO of CPS Energy some weeks ago, the largest public power utility in the United States, CPS, is on a journey of decarbonizing their generation assets and as such has been foreshadowing an RFP that is a quite sizable RFP for a utility in the United States to undertake. And on December 1st, CPS, along with the city of San Antonio, announced the largest municipally owned, fully integrated electric and gas utility in the U.S. is launching their RFP under what's known as the Flex Power Bundle Initiative for a whopping 900 megawatts of solar, 50 megawatts of energy storage, and 500 megawatts of firming capacity as part of the vision for CPS's flexible path. It's designed to replace aging generation capacity and introduce new technologies for firming capacity and around-the-clock energy reliability for San Antonio. Today, we're going to dig into how an RFP like this comes together, how a forward-thinking utility in today's energy economy puts together the innovative structure, not only to request these resources, but to manage them, what the leadership requirements are, to dig further into the mechanics of this RFP and the overarching goals uh, therein. We've got Dr. Chris Eugster, the Chief Operating Officer of CPS Energy, as well as Krista Davis, Director of Energy Supply and Market Operations Strategy. The team that is putting this RFP out into the world is managed by, in part or in whole, these two individuals, and we're excited to have them here on Suncast today. Dr. Eugster, it's been said that you view this PPA, this RFP process to procure this new generation as not just another PPA. I'd like to start there. Can you dig into what that means for you and the team that you manage? First of all, thank you for having us on the show. We're excited to be here and tell our story. You know, we've done quite a bit of solar. I think we've now done uh, close to 600 megawatts of solar 
a lot of those have been PPAs that have been out there for utility scale solar. We've had some solar that are connected to the, to the distribution system. I think what's unique about this is we are using this flex power bundle as a way to replace a physical plant, a fossil plant. Uh, we have three aging gas steam units that were built in the 60s and 70s that would, would will need to be replaced. And so it's got to be more than just a straight up PPA for some solar power from West Texas. It's got to be reliable. It's got to be affordable. Obviously, we want to kind of get to a, a, a zero emission uh, a footprint with these technologies. But I think that's what's unique. Our previous solar and a lot of solar that utilities do, it's just part of your generation mix. It's part of the portfolio. And we've certainly done that. But I think what, what's really unique about this is it is the replacement of a physical asset that is generating physical electrons to support our load. And that load has a shape to it. And so this flex power bundle has to meet those those requirements in terms of bringing those electrons to our customers. So when they turn on the, the light switch, so to speak, the lights turn on. Can you speak to the overarching goal of CPS Energy and the flexible path that flex power bundle feeds into? I think our overall flexible path is one in which we are reducing our emissions. You know, we're going to lower emission technologies, more renewables. We know that the utility model of the past is not the model of the future, the, the model of you know, just building big baseload power plants. So we are bringing in new technology, more flexible generation that can work together in a much more dynamic fashion to meet the future load of our customers. Our city has passed a climate action adaptation plan, which uh, mm-hmm. has an aim of carbon neutrality by 2050. And our board has passed a resolution to support that. And so part of this is starting to take meaningful steps towards that climate plan. CEO Paula Gold-Williams and I also discussed the relationship with the city's goals, the workforce, and the future of renewables in their energy mix. And here's what she has to say. These are absolutely exciting times. Everyone is thinking about how can we utilize energy and make the transition that's necessary to net zero emissions. But what's really exciting is that in San Antonio, at CPS Energy, we believe this transition will be fueled by investments in innovation. Every single industry needs to think about their path forward. What we think in particular relative to energy is that San Antonio can be the innovation demonstration capital of the world. We know we have to have baseload technology replacement, but we also want to help developers get into new technologies, take their ideas, put them in pilots, and then ultimately look for opportunities to take them to scale. And at the same time, we are going to be retraining our own employees, giving them new skills and exposure, and then looking for ways to recruit more people to this industry, this industry that is innovative and that is embracing change. As the executive responsible for the plan to meet those carbon neutrality climate plan goals, you know how important it is to have a resilient portfolio. How does CPS Energy think about its role in the country and in the industry in testing these renewable technologies, and in particular storage for resiliency, especially when their efficacy as a provider of firming capacity has been questioned by many in the broader energy landscape? Well, we, we definitely think that the, the future has a lot more renewables in it, and we, we, we're committed to that. In fact, we are even thinking about how do we take our workforce and, and skill them up in terms of these newer technologies so that, you know, not only can you take care of a, 
a gas plant, but you can also take care of a solar farm, whether it's an inverter or, or making sure the solar panels are producing uh, uh, an angle to the right in the right direction. So I think this is a broad transformation, again, I think to, to the point that this is not just a PPA. This is a fundamental change in how we are doing business here in the future. Where Krista Davis uh, leads is our energy supply and market operations. And the Flex Power Bundle, the, the procurement of the RFP, is really being led by that, that group. We'll meet Krista in a moment. But I thought I'd just set the table here before Dr. Euster discusses the division that she runs. You see, Krista Davis has been with CPS Energy for more than 17 years. And she's a leader in energy supply and market operations, where she manages the long-term wholesale power customers. More than 250 megawatts of load and $52 million in annual revenue. And as Dr. Eugster just mentioned, she's leading this Flex Power Bundle initiative. Within that group, we're a public power, so we're not a, a trading shop like an investor-owned utility, but there are a lot of skills in terms of understanding the economics of power and the value of power at different times of the day. And so that group really is very strategic in, in determining how all these resources work together in an integrated dynamic way, whether it's the tried and true assets like, you know, some of the traditional plants to some of the newer technologies, including solar, but also storage is coming online, demand response. Uh, you know, we have over four or 500,000 customers that have demand response programs. We have you know, 250 megawatts of a, of a virtual power plant that's also being ma- managed by, by that group. So that group is from an organizational standpoint is very strategic in in figuring out how all these resources work together to ultimately you know deliver reliable affordable and environmentally responsible power to our customers krista as dr eugster pointed out there are a lot of moving parts when you're trying to procure new resources to replace old resources no matter what kind they are could you give us a look inside the mechanics of how this RFP came to be? What I'll tell you is it's been a very integrated effort across the organization. This RFP is looking at 14 different products. So solar, solar plus storage, energy storage, and you know firming capacity, but we're looking for it at all levels. So not only transmission levels, so most utilities would go out at utility scale, transmission level solar to get the, the lowest uh, price. What we're looking for is really the best value for San Antonio and the community. So we're looking to bring assets even here within the city limits of San Antonio, as well as the traditional utility scale. And so that's, that's provided us an opportunity to work together across the organization, but it's also created, you know, some other challenges that we've had to we've had to work through as far as you know the interconnection process for distributed generation here in the San Antonio area, which is continuing to grow, as well as just adding adding battery or energy uh, storage resources in the ERCOT market is continuing to change, right? And so as more and more are coming on, and we still don't know you know fully what those regular regulatory aspects from ERCOT are going to be. So and that's that's been part of the challenge. We're just working together. But we're also taking a different approach because we are taking this blended approach, like Chris mentioned. We have our guiding pillars and customer affordability is one of them. And so that's very important to us. So we want to do this as a bundled approach so that we are getting the best from all the the different angles so that we can not only provide 
affordable power for our customers, but we also want to have that reliability that our customers have come accustomed to trusting us to provide for them. And so that firming capacity is going to be really important for us. And, you know, we're excited to see what other kinds of technologies are out there that that can uh, work for that. I wanted to hear from Dr. Eukster about who he thinks will be likely bidders and if there's any element that is truly unique to this RFP that makes it stand out. Yeah, certainly there will be solar players that bid on this project uh, with big solar farms, storage uh, players. I think we will see some of the typical players uh, come to come to the table. But I think what's also unique here is this all-source component to firm up the renewables. And there, we're looking at all sorts of different technologies. And, and that's one of the reasons we did the request for information, RFI, as a precursor to the RFP, is because mm-hmm. we really wanted to raise the visibility and really get the best ideas out there, especially around that firming capacity, because a lot of that will be new technologies. And we saw some pretty interesting technologies as part of the RFI there. But that firming capacity has to either be more of a traditional approach or it has to start into you know getting into long duration storage. You know, so where mm-hmm. you can store energy for a long enough period so that you can produce power, you know, for San Antonio when the sun's not shining, when the solar resource is not there. So that all source component I think is what is truly unique here. And other utilities have done all source RFPs, but integrating that all source component with uh, almost a gigawatt of solar is, you know, in my view what's really truly unique here. Do you anticipate that traditional providers of non-renewables assets or maybe even renewables providers who have uh, non-renewable assets are going to bid non-renewable assets, maybe not solar um, or and not storage, combined cycle or some other generating capacity independently? Or is it going to be, is it going to need to be matched with one of the sort of a solar asset or a storage asset? We're going to look at all different types of proposals and options. So we're not, again, that's one of the things that I think is unique here. We're not, we're not going to limit this in, in certain ways like that. So gotcha. uh, if someone wants to only look at solar, we can mm-hmm. certainly look at that. And so what I think what we will find, again, we're, you know, we need to see how the bids come in, but I don't think we'll, we'll just award this to one entity. There will be multiple yeah. winners here. There will be multiple pieces that we'll put together almost like a puzzle to ultimately get to the solution that we're trying to get to. Krista, I understand the process for integrating traditional projects into this RFP, but what about opportunities like community solar? How do you see these new forms of distributed generation factoring into your RFP that can often be really complex structures? What do you anticipate? So community solar was one of the things that we had to think a little bit more about on this RFP because it is a little bit different than just the straight utility scale resources. So what we're looking for is not only the traditional approach to community solar where we are interacting, you know, obviously we want to be that only interaction with the customer to where they are subscribing through us, but we want to work with a partner that can help aggregate all of that together for us. And we really want the generation aspect of that community solar. So I I think it could be two parts. You know, we weren't really very specific in the RFP down to every process that we wanted to be in place. We really wanted to keep it open to allow companies that have creative ideas that maybe we haven't even thought of yet to be able to to bring them to us. And that's, that's really the whole approach to this RFP is we don't know what we don't know, right? And we want to work with creative folks 
that can come to us and, and provide solutions to us. And so we were very open with our requirements. And so we're looking forward to seeing what kind of projects could be in store for a community solar type of project or other distributed generation. I'm sure that a number of listeners are going to jump on that, that uh, perhaps didn't expect community solar to be an element. And uh, I look forward as well to seeing what creative things come out of that. On the storage side, it's rather small. Why 50 megawatts? Do you have any specific limitations that dictate the size of storage compared with the solar? The way that we sized our flex power bundle is we wanted to take a thoughtful approach to adding the resources, right? And so as energy storage continues to mature and the costs come down a little bit, we, we wanted to keep the, the, the bundle affordable for our customers. And so we didn't want to jump in too quick with too much. But, you know, something else to, to, to think about is our firming capacity also could count as energy storage, right? And so right. if you have this long duration storage, you know, we're, we're, we're welcoming that as part of that as well. And so really just what the thought behind it was taking a very thoughtful and deliberate approach to stepping into these technologies. You know, we were a very early player with wind, right? We have a thousand megawatts of wind and we've had those for 20 years. Well, some of those PPAs that we signed, you know, 20 years ago, the the cost for those is way different than what you're going to see, right, for wind today, which is sometimes even in the negative pricing, right? And so we want to be conscious of that, especially because we're a municipal utility, that we don't want to jump into the bleeding edge. We want to be on the cutting edge, right, of technology, but we don't want to be on the bleeding edge where, you know, there, there's a little bit more risk. And so that's why we, we sized it the way that we did. Any limitations there on storage that you anticipate? I don't know if the RFP specifically calls out types of storage that are or are not allowed. It doesn't. I, I don't think it calls out anything that's not allowed. We are looking for, for just about just about anything, you know. So, no, there, there's nothing really, really. We're looking for things that can, that we, 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 we can have a couple of cycles a day. We're looking for something with, you know, just specific safety features. Obviously, we want it to be safe, but there's not really anything that we won't consider at this point. I'm going to go back to the RFI for a moment. As I discussed in my episode with Paula, CPS Energy released the RFI over the summer to find out from folks all around the world exactly what is possible. What did you learn from that RFI and how is that learning incorporated into the RFP? We learned a lot from the RFI process. We learned, first of all, that there's global interest in this. We learned that there are a lot of projects in the queue in ERCOT that are ready to go and that will be ready when we need them. We learned that there are folks here locally that want to provide economic development for our community and for San Antonio. And we learned that there are also some alternative firming technologies or storage technologies that we weren't completely familiar with. And we have those on our website as well. We have a, we have a summary of those. And we learned, you know, some of those are more mature than others. And we had to take a look at how we could expand the language in our RFP so that we're not intentionally leaving some, something out that, that we should be looking at. So there were some things like compressed air storage, liquid air storage, underground pumped hydro, hydrogen. And so all of those things came through and we had to look at it from a maturity level. We are a municipally owned utility. So we want to make sure that we're being good 
stewards of our community's dollars, right, and our customers' uh, bills. And so we want to make sure that we are getting technologies that are proven and that they are mature. And we, we need utility-scale, long-duration storage for that firming. And so we, we got an idea of, of some of those projects out there. So I think overall it was a really good process. We got nearly 200 responses from 12 different countries. So I think, you know, we learned a lot from it. You know, progress and change are not achieved by standing still. We must challenge the status quo and do things differently. There are moments in time that change the course of our history. And for us, that time has come, a moment to act now for a brighter solar future. In a global scenario where the demand for renewable energy is constantly growing, solar has the power to shape new and powerful energy models to drive progress and prosperity for a sustainable world. At Suncast, we stand with femur and together we can shape the future of solar learn more about how femur is changing the future of solar at solar.femur.com that's solar.femer.com i've been wondering what's your least favorite solar asset management activity you know those daily weekly sometimes monthly deliverables that you just have to check off the list but can be such a drag Well, let me tell you how to press the easy button and get going on the work that really matters by automating your invoicing and ticketing and reporting with PowerHub. Focus on the work that you wanna do. Take the boring stuff off your plate with PowerHub. You can go to powerhub.com forward slash suncast to learn more. What exactly does firming capacity mean to you all in the context of this RFP? For the firming component of our RFP, you know, we're thinking of we need to eventually replace these aging gas units that we have. And right now um, we have our Bronig unit, which is more than 50 years old, that we'll need to replace eventually. And, you know, we use that as a peaking unit right now. And so what really played into this is we're going to need something that's dispatchable, something that's Mm -hmm. fast, fast ramping, and something that can be available for up to 12 hours is what we're looking for so that we can, we can provide that reliability because, you know, at our peak, our ending 17, which is 5 p.m. hour here in San Antonio, our solar is only producing about 50% capacity at that time. And so we need to be able to, to fill up the tank, so to speak, you know, when that solar is not producing at that level or when wind's not producing, we need to be able to count on that firming capacity to come in and be able to, to, um, to help us right meet our customers' demand. And so that's what we're really looking for as part of the firming capacity. Look, this is not a, a baseload plant which runs 24-7, 365, and we have plants like that uh, that ultimately we, you know, we're going to have to have to address as well. But this is a peaking asset, so it, it typically runs over the summer time frame. It, it starts in the morning at, you know, and comes online at 10 o'clock and, and maybe runs through 10 in the evening. It's a little bit easier to firm up than maybe a baseload plant, which is, you know, 24-7 uh, resource. We have been very strategic in terms of thinking about how can we think about this differently in terms of firming that up. And so to Chris's point is we looked at our load profile. We looked at kind of what a solar resource looks like and what we have, what we've asked in the RFP. And again, Krista can kind of fill in any details is we we're looking for firming capacity in different tranches, four hours, six hours, 12 hours, and around the clock. And we want to see what the market brings us. I think if we really wanted to cover it from that 10 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night, we would need 12 hours. But if we see some really competitive prices at the six-hour mark, 
you know, maybe that's something that we can figure out uh, from from a standpoint of what how's that solar produced over the over in the past and what does that profile look like and you know if if the cost effectiveness is much more attractive there you know we can put those pieces together so what we're doing right now is really looking at what the market will give us for these different firming uh hours and then ultimately you know we're going to decide you know what meets the requirements of our customer our customer load but we're not going to limit any kind of proposals out there you mentioned that you've got several uh, virtual power plants operating. Do you imagine that there may be some innovative companies out there who will bid into this bid with existing, maybe even residential aggregate virtual power plant supply? Is that the kind of innovative scale that we're thinking about here? Or is this more of a traditional build-own-operate RFP where folks are going to build plants on maybe a, build, a, a building or out in the farm? How do you conceptualize folks might respond to this if you can answer that yeah i I think we're open to all those possibilities and in fact this is very non-traditional so you know if you bring a demand a virtual power plant concept to the table and typically on demand response we see that be consistent for two maybe three maybe four hours at some point customer fatigue plays in and it and it drops off so we really need to understand the profiles and the shape of a lot of those resources whether they be, you know, virtual power plants or solar farms or storage products or hydrogen or traditional products. We, we, we need to understand those and how they are going to bid into the requirements that we're presenting to ultimately kind of decide on, on what is the best technology for us. Well, Chris, I imagine this must take an enormous amount of resources internally for an organization. I mentioned before that in, in a previous interview that CPS is more than 2,000 employees, you've got a, a mini legion of folks working for you. Can you help me understand how you organize a team to go about putting an RFP like this together? How many folks are there? What are some of the roles and responsibilities that day-to-day you have to manage to bring something like this to bear, and how long does that take? Uh, we have about a little over 3,000 employees at CPS Energy. We had to work probably with close to 100 folks across the organization when everything was said and done, we had a lot mm-hmm. of workshops. As Chris mentioned, and I mentioned earlier, you know, we're looking for distribution level resources, transmission level resources. And you touched on something earlier too. I mean, we're accepting community scale resources, right? That can be aggregated for that load. And so each one of those different components takes a different subject matter expert, right? And so we're having to, to work with the transmission engineering, distribution engineering. We're working with our products and services team. We're working with our legal team just on all the different kinds of PPA and term sheets that we have to have for this. We're also working with, you know, Chris said we have, we have a large group in energy supply and market operations that looks at all the analytics and the, the profiles that we need. We're, we're working with our financial team to see, you know, what the potential impact could be for the customer. We're, we're working with our power generation folks to see mm-hmm. what requirements they have of these types of assets that we're looking for. So involvement from around the whole, whole entire company, and, and it is very complex. We had many workshops, probably close to 70, 80 workshops where you have, you know, 40, 50 people on the phone. So at some times, you know, it's a little bit difficult, but I, I think in the end, we put together a very comprehensive RFP that's going to you know, it's not traditional, as Chris mentioned, this is very non-traditional RFP because we are looking at so many different product offerings um, at all of the different levels that I mentioned. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a big opportunity. You know, getting to this point must have been really stressful. And 
It's an arduous process, and it's why the whole RFI process exists, in fact, to help identify the potential pitfalls as well as solutions to incorporate or avoid. But I have to imagine that there are some unanticipated elements that came up for your team as you developed the scope over these last four months. Dr. Eugster, ultimately, you're responsible for ensuring that these assets come online and that this RFP is a success. Was there anything that surprised you as this RFP came together? I think a couple things. One is it was good to confirm, as Krista has said, you know, the competitive cost effectiveness of solar resources. We saw a lot of solar ready projects across Texas, not just West Texas, but, you know, South Texas, North Texas, East Texas, in San, in San Antonio itself. And battery, also storage technology, lithium-ion batteries, uh, also pretty cost-competitive up to that four-hour duration, at least is what we saw in the RFI. So it was it was nice to to confirm that. I think the one surprise that uh, that I that I saw that I, I found was the lack of, of proposals around hydrogen. Uh, you know, hydrogen is getting a lot of buzz these days as as kind of a, a solution that really you know, can have a tremendous impact on our clean energy journey, especially through electrolysis where you're, you know, you're breaking up and you're putting back together a water molecule and, and, and water's coming out of the tailpipe, so to speak. I think we saw one hydrogen project, but I would have thought we would have seen more at the RFI stage, even before we get to an RFP. I know that people are talking hydrogen still a little bit out there, still, still yet to come. Maybe it's not this decade, maybe it's the next decade, but you're just seeing such buzz in the in the in the literature. You're seeing some companies that are kind of coming up uh, pretty strong, and so I would have thought we we would have seen a little bit more there, and and maybe we will in the RFP. Chris, a similar question. What surprised you about this process? It's a lot for you to manage, matrix style, a lot coming at you. You're a career uh, employee at CPS Energy for all intents and purposes. Uh, I'd love to hear your experience putting this together? Is it similar to other projects you've put together? And some, again, what surprised you? I think the thing that surprised me the most, and it was a pleasant surprise, was how many responses we got to the RFI from all over the world. It was a pleasant surprise. The team you know, had to work around the clock to get the, uh, the analysis done from all of those responses and, and get a report out to our board and, and to our leadership at CPS Energy. And so they were very anxious to see what came through. And so we had a team working around the clock to do that. And so I think one of the biggest surprises was just, just the amount of response. And it, it really made us understand what to look forward to as the RFI, as the RFP comes to a close. Is we're going to need a lot of folks evaluating this. And so that, that was a pleasant surprise, but it's something that we really had to think about and work toward developing a plan to attack that when it does happen. You know, one of the things that we really talked about a lot in my previous interview with Paula is how CPS Energy is built upon the idea, her idea of people first. How does the RFP undergird that idea of people first from a workforce development perspective? Part of our RFP is we have a a section which is for economic development, community stewardship. And, you know, we saw some very thoughtful responses come through as part of our RFI process where companies were putting money towards workforce development for these types of jobs that, that will be eventually, you know, eliminated or jobs that need to be retold 
for the new technology. And so that's something that we're really looking forward to as part of the response, as part of that community development, that, that economic development and the community stewardship aspect of it. But also, you know, we've been doing a lot of work internally. You know, our integrated resource plan is, is something that we've, we work on every year. And so it's, it's not new. And we have a, an incredible workforce, an incredible wage scale workforce, um, not only in the power generation side, but also the energy delivery side. And we work very closely with our union, our IBW union and our NAEP union uh, to continue those conversations on how we can get the right tools for our employees, how we can have them exposed to the latest and greatest technology so that there's learning opportunities um, to continue in, in their progress um, as a CPS Energy employee. And so that's what I would say about that. And I think Paula would definitely have something to say as well. One of our mottos at CPS Energy, people first. And so we talk a lot about people first and Paula definitely leads that for um, all of the employees here at CPS Energy. Well, as we wrap, I'm curious, I'll ask the question that others are thinking, what is the delivery timeline, not for the RFP, but of the assets themselves? What we have thought about in our planning is that we would have some kind of resource and it could be a staged approach. You know, we're thinking we could stagger this approach to where maybe we have some megawatts. Um, We definitely want something by summer of 2022. And that's what we're looking for, some delivery by 2022. But but we think we have a very open mind to this. And so we think that we could, you know, have some of it come online um, in 2022 and maybe even in 2023. So we can stagger that out. We don't think it needs to be all in at the same time. Yeah. Um, so really just, you know, by summer 2022, we'd like to have something available to power our community. Are there any near-term limitations where you would say power can't come on before X date for those assets that maybe are already in play. And, and they, I, there are a number of solar assets, as we know, that are being built right now that are planning to a portion of their park as merchant power. And they may consider uh, bidding into this RFP. Are those assets, could they come online in 2021? Well, we're really open to anything, right? And so if, if, if the deal is right and we can we can structure it in such a way that it works with the other um, components of our flex power bundle, I think that's something that we'll definitely be open to anything mm-hmm. sooner than the summer of 22 as well. For those who maybe haven't had a chance yet to look at the dynamics of the RFP, the deadlines, et cetera, would you give us a quick overview of the nuts and bolts, what folks would need to know, starting with where they can find the information about the RFP, imminent deadlines or things that maybe have by now already passed that they should go back and check out? Sure. We have a website dedicated to the Flex Power Bundle RFP. It's cpsenergy.com forward slash Flex RFP. And so folks can, can go there to find more information. We have a link to the RFP document itself. On our website, we will include a link to the RFP itself so people can go out and see that. We'll also have a link to a pre-recorded webcast pre-bid webcast that, that I encourage people to go back and, and review. We, we answer a lot of questions there. There's also a link to Power Advocate. Power Advocate is, is a platform that we're using to collect all of the responses. And so we already have, you know, over 125 folks that have registered for that. So we know that there's a lot of interest. And we also have information about the alternative uh, technology solutions that we saw as a response to our RFI. So I encourage folks to go look at that page. Again, it's cpsenergy.com forward slash flex RFP. 
our responses are due February 1st, 2021. And so folks want to make sure that they get all of their responses in by that due date because it will be cut off on that date. And so we just look forward to all those responses. What's the process, Krista, for folks to, apart from going to the website, to ask questions? Is that going to all happen through Power Advocate? There's two ways folks can ask questions. One is definitely if they're respondent, we want them to go through Power Advocate because there's a way for us to track all those responses and also share the answers with some of the other respondents that are that are registered on that. The other way for folks to um, ask questions, we have a an inbox, an email inbox called feedback at cpsenergy.com where folks can direct messages to, to there as well. And our corporate communications team will route those internally to, to who those need to be answered by. But we also have two frequently asked questions documents on our website as well that go over the technology aspect. And then just more of a general um, FAQ, like from a, from a customer aspect as well. And so folks can look at questions there, but also ask questions through the website or through that, that email address that I mentioned. The Flex Power Bundle is is just a way that is going to power the future of, of the San Antonio community. And so we're really thoughtful and deliberate about that as we continue to move toward a lower and non-emitting fleet. And I'd just like for, for us to, to focus on, you know, some of the key aspects here that we're looking for is to bring some of those new technologies here that can be used right here in San Antonio. You know, we think global, we act local, we want to bring those technologies here to San Antonio to power our community. And we really want to do it in a very thoughtful way that keeps affordability at top of mind um, so that we're being good customer, we're being good community stewards for our customers so that we're keeping those low. And we want to do it in a very bundled way that is going to help us provide that reliability that our customers have grown to know. You know, Nico, I, I really do want to thank you for, you know, what you do. I think as we go through this journey, clean energy journey as, as, as a planet, I think podcasts like this, I think are really important to educate and illuminate what's going on out there. And we really appreciate you allowing us to highlight this very strategic non-traditional project that we've got almost a gigawatt of solar will triple the amount of solar that we get that we have in our portfolio so the more that we can get the word out there and have more people bid on this on this proposal on this rfp i think it's going to be better for everyone we're very very excited about it i think it's gonna it's a game changer for us uh, here in san antonio i think it just it takes us to a whole different level and we're very excited about 2021 I couldn't agree more. And as someone who cut his teeth on solar and renewable energy writ large in California, it's really exciting to see Texas take a Texas-sized bite at the problem that the United States is facing. CPS continues to lead the charge where that is concerned in that regard. And uh, you know, having gotten to know you and your team, it's clear uh, the leadership is all the way to the top. So it was a pleasure to meet you, sir, and thanks for uh, everything you're contributing. Okay, thank you, Nico. All right, Solar Warrior, that's a wrap on today's episode and on another phenomenal year of Suncast episodes. And as Dr. Eukster just said, I hope that you now feel educated and illuminated, my friend. Well, what an honor to have Dr. Eukster and Krista join us here to wrap up the year. I hope that this slightly different kind of Suncast episode has been informative and maybe even fun. And I hope that's especially true for any of you who are actually bidding into this RFP or maybe you're listening in because you want to just better understand the utility RFP process. 
let me know how'd we do you can find me on linkedin of course and twitter i'll tell you how to find those socials if you don't know already and it's just a real treat when i get to hear from you and get to learn how this episode resonated with you and please do feel free to share it who do you think would benefit from hearing this episode of suncast today if you're eager to keep learning, well, you, my fellow Philomath, can find the resources and highlights from this and every other discussion, along with those social media links I just mentioned and some book recommendations and a ton more over on the blog at mysuncast.com. That's where you'll find more than 300 other all-star guests that have been featured in Suncast over the last five years as well. Hey, before you go, next week, I have a long-awaited interview with one of the industry's true power leaders to kick off this new year and none other than SIA's president, Abby Hopper. We had so much to discuss, in fact, that I'm dedicating both of next week's episodes to this two-parter with Abby. So do make sure that you're subscribed to the Suncast podcast in your podcast player, Spotify, whatever you use, and hit that notify button so that you will know exactly when the next one drops because this is going to be a doozy. Remember, you are what you listen to. Now, Happy New Year, and thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. <laughs>